0: In this episode of Something About Science, we speak to Nont Senior Systems Specialist at Genentech about all things live cell imaging. As always, share, rate and subscribe to Something About Science wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So, nice and easy question to begin. Could you just introduce yourself and your current position at Genentech?
2: Yeah, so uh, my name is Nonko Saisawi. Uh The weird name is because I'm Thai. Uh, actually, uh, currently I'm a senior imaging specialist at uh, Genentech down in South San Francisco, uh, California. And um, so, a bit of background, I have a PhD from uh, UC Davis. And uh, my uh, specialty is actually in uh, lifestyle imaging and analyzing um uh live cell uh signaling kinetics basically mm-hmm. kinetics or dynamics whether you're going to call and how that influences cell decision and i'm still doing the same thing here <laughs> just adapt it to drug discovery
0: how did you first get involved in this particular field of research what really piqued your interest first
2: that, that was a long time ago. So, like, back in 2015, when I just grad, uh, so sorry, actually, it's 2013, uh, when I just graduated from med school, I, like, I plan to switch career. And then I joined, uh, the lab of Peter Sauger down in, uh, back at Harvard for like a year. And I started working on all this, like, um, uh, immunofluorescent based imaging. And then I met one of my, future uh, professor, who is actually a John Albeck, who who I worked for, actually. Uh, and he started to introduce me to all this, like, lifestyle dynamics. He working on ERK, actually, one of the uh, most famous uh, uh, growth kinases. And then he started to show me all this video of, like, uh, signaling dynamics, and I never leave the film ever since.
1: <laughs> Must have been something that really captured your interest then. So- yeah. If you were going to say what the three most important things about live cell imaging are, what would they be?
2: Yeah, so I'd like to remind everyone that, like, you know, when you obtain, like, first, cell is very dynamic and adaptive. So whenever people talk about cell signaling, this thing of, like, oh, this kinase is on and off, they forget that actually when it's on, sometimes it goes off. And, like, the, the timing of when it's on and off is extremely important. So that brings me to the second point is that cell encodes information not only in the uh, amplitude domain, they also encode the information in the time domain, which is basically when it's on and off. And um, sometimes you can think of all this time domain as a some kind of like a, a time signature, almost like a, in Mil6, right? You know, something go fast or something goes slow. So that's actually like the most three most important thing. Just don't forget that cell is alive. <laughs> And signaling is alive.
0: And now we've had that overview. Could we have an overview of cell imaging more generally as well as its applications to drug discovery and development?
2: Yeah. So if we go for the basic, right? So when you do some kind, if you have uh, small molecules or large molecules and you want to know if it affects cell function or cell phenotype or not, you can do immunofluorescence, right? So, so that's easy. Uh, you can look at cell shape too, like, you know, cell painting assay, things like that but uh, you also can look at the dynamics of the activity of your kinase or of your target of interest it, and assuming that you have a sensor of your of, of for to read out the activity of protein of your interest so that's basically the idea is that we're expanding from just the fixed cells to the live cell domain and you know whether that's it's useful or not it's still an ongoing process but that everything so far is like yes, the answer is yes. That will be something there.
1: Do you have a favorite molecule or like um, cellular <laughs> body that you like to image?
2: Yeah, so um, I like AMPK a lot because like you know, um, to me, metabolism is everything for cell. Right? It's come even before cell signaling. Imagine like you know going million million mm-hmm. years. Right? Uh, cell doesn't have signaling before to make decision, is actually just bunch a soup of chemical compounds that somehow work together to make them become alive. And then you have all this control, all this regulation to make it even more robust to adaptation, like, you know, uh, environmental adaptation, basically. So actually, to me, metabolism is everything, and then you expand to signaling. Most people would just look from signaling down mm-hmm. to metabolism, but I look at things in the opposite direction. So PK is like, the most important kinase in metabolism, you can say, because it's actually mm-hmm. measuring ATP for you.
1: Sounds, sounds great. So obviously imaging any cell or any small molecular body is difficult. Why is live cell imaging so hard to carry out?
2: Yeah, so that, that comes down to um, three things. So one, the nature of it is highly technical. And it has a very high uh, setup cost, right? Because Mm -hmm. you need, first you would need a microscope with the environmental chamber that costs you upfront like a million dollars already just to set up. And then you have to, uh, the second point is that you need to have a biosensor to read out the activity of protein of your interest. You cannot just do Western block with antibodies or something like that. Most of the time, you end up to actually have to renew, like redesign the sensor to read out the proteins that you want. And three is that even when you have the data, it's still very difficult to interpret because we don't really have a theoretical framework to uh, to understand uh, to to really analyze this type of data. What does it mean to turn on and off every five minutes? Right? There's no there's no theory to 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 support that. So you almost end up with like have to end up with like new way to look at the data. and um, for, in, for this is specifically for drug screening, um, lifestyle imaging is still considered pretty low throughput. We're talking about like maybe you can do a, well, one plate of 96 or 384 well plate per day instead of like 20 per day. So it, it's still relatively low throughput. You have to be in a targeted space already. you cannot just screen everything.
0: Going back to your work specifically with Genentech, how are you working to enhance live cell imaging technologies?
2: Yeah, so I'm more like an early adopters of all this uh, live cell imaging technique. Uh, so the simplest... Uh, Asset that we can do, especially when it comes to lifestyle meeting, is actually cell cycle because it's something that everybody understands that you know cells go from G1 S to G2 phase, right? That's easy to understand. You don't really need a new theoretical framework to to uh, to look at the data, right? All you have to do is that you have a G1 marker or a G2 marker and you see it cycling along. And uh, to be honest, cell cycle inhibitors is a well-known inhibitor, especially in cancer therapy. Like, you know, like you have purple from, uh, uh, which is CDK4-6 inhibitor from Pfizer. And the whole field is like they are ready to adapt. So I'm adapting this type of technique to look at uh, compounds that, that, you know, that we investigate. I cannot go in specific, but basically it's like we start to adapt, uh, to adopt. Uh, cell cycle biosensors actually to use in in live cell imaging for screening now.
0: Yeah. And have there been any recent developments, say, in the last five years that have really changed, you know, the field in any way? Uh, For
2: drug discovery, uh, there is a recent paper from Sabrina Spencer's group, which basically uh, collaborated with Pfizer, I believe, that basically she shows that, you know, um, inhibiting cdk two is actually alone is not enough to inhibit cell or uh, uh, cancer cells. Actually, they can evade by uh, overcompensating cdk 46 6 uh, activity to overcome that. So in order to have a complete inhibition of uh, cancer cell uh, 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 proliferation, you actually have to inhibit CDK246. And, and it's really nice to see that live. Like, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the moment that you add CDK246, everything stops. Nothing grows. <laughs> and it turns in essence. So that's probably like the, uh, the best evidence that actually all this lifestyle imaging starts to come into to, uh, to drug discovery space now, as far as I can see. Uh, but most of the time, it's still uh, in the side of theoretical framework rather than drug discovery. Mm-hmm.
1: So talking a little bit more about um, your activities and your research activities, you mentioned that your favorite thing to image is a lot of the kind kinase and the metabol- metabolic processes. Um, so could you discuss a little bit in more detail about your research in this field?
2: Yeah, so uh, my, actually, my corner is actually in metabolism. And the question that I have, like, from day one is that, you know, how, 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 like if metabolism is such a dynamic process, right? It, the, all this enzyme adapt in a matter of like nanoseconds. Uh, how come we don't really have any assay at all to, to observe all this, this metabolism in real time? It's almost like none when I started, right? We have metabolomics, which is basically just mass spec. Look at a whole tons of metabolites. So that's great. And then you have enzymatic, assay, where basically you start to measure the activity of the enzyme that metabolites all this, uh, that that evolve in all this metabolic process, but we don't really have something to put all these parts together and see how it works in the cell. So that's actually where I started. And, you know, ATP is one of the most important molecules that I can think of to say, like, hey, we better measure all this, but measuring ATP is also pretty Irrelevant because like uh, ATP is known to have like a you know is highly abundant in the cells and cells like will just store them like you know a thousand times more than they need so measuring that is pretty much useless in in a way because like you know if, if your tank is full going down to ninety nine percent you're not going to feel anything right but you actually want to measure the metabolites that that is the uh, the, the, the waste of ATP actually when it's used. So, that why AMPK becomes important because AMPK is basically just an AM, AMP uh, 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 modulated kinase. So, you can measure that. So, if you make a sensor of that, then, well, you can basically measure the ATP consumption now. That's the idea. Uh, so, that's that exactly what I did. And the most important process to make ATP into my mind is like, okay, so it's oxfos, it's oxidative consumption, so why don't we do that? So, that, so that's why I start. So the, the the very simple idea when I started is basically, hey, if I inhibit ox, oxidative phosphorylation, what would happen to MPK? And lo and behold, would, everybody would have thought, hey, the cell would die, right? That's 90% of ATP is gone. Why would you do that? And it turns out that in most cancer, they actually survive. And they don't die, but they don't grow as fast. So that, so that's the first thing that was so like, what, 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 what is this? Like, what, 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 what the hell is going on? Part of my French, but that's basically what I have. What I thought is like, what the hell is going on? Why why, why, why they're not there? And the second thing is that. Now you would have thought that it, AMPK would just stay up, right? Because you have AMPK, AMPK that's basically, the AMP, ATP production basically stopped, so you have, should have a lot of MP. Well, that's not true, because like from my study, basically, it, this AMPK is actually going up and down. Mm-hmm. And it goes up and down every two hours, and it goes on forever as long as cell can live. Uh, and another thing is that you would have thought that every single cell would do the same thing, because ATP is, you know, Ospos is so important. ATP comes from there. No, that's also not true. It's actually like 20% of the cells don't even see this. It just act like, mm, okay, whatever. You can inhibit that. MPK is not going to even respond for the first four hours or so until later on. And we start to figure out that oh, actually, this has nothing to do with um, uh, ATP production, actually. If you start to look at the ATP consumption processes such as, you know, Cell proliferation and protein uh, production rate is start to correlate. Not, not, not to a higher degree. Not like you know, we cannot predict. We can predict only like ten percent of cell behavior, rather than ninety percent. And that's where like, hey, then it, it's kind of like open the idea like what, what the hell is going on with with metabolism exactly, right? And we have all these parts, but we can't really it, it, think of an 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 engine. Metabolomics is kind of like give you all these parts of the engine, but you don't really know how to assemble the engine, mm-hmm. right? And my job is kind of like, yeah, I don't know how to assemble it either. But if the engine is working, this is what it looks like, and it kind of gives you like, oh, okay, maybe this is how, probably how you're gonna mm-hmm. assemble it, like assemble Lego of some sort.
1: It's more of like a taking that top. Almost a top-down top view. view? Yeah. yeah, it's a top-down yeah. view.
2: Yeah, it's the opposite of what people would do, and and it's not that you know MPK is actually going up and down. It's mm-hmm. actually forced all the other signal to go up and down with it. So so it's not like you know signaling control metabolism. Actually, in certain cases, especially in the metabolic stress condition, now metabolism controls everything. ERK and AKT just go with the MPK now mm-hmm. in real time, and there's no lag. It's like if MPK goes up. Or it goes down in in a matter of like less than a minute, actually.
0: Wow, oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, that, that was really fascinating. Um what benefits do live cell imaging techniques offer in this particular area of research in studying the metabolism? And um, what does what does that study and the benefits and the insights that live cell imaging can provide? What what does that mean for uh, the advance of, of science?
2: Yeah, so First thing is that you have, it, it, go back to my first sentence, right? Basically, everything in cells happen in real time. It's live. It's adaptive. So metabolism is highly adaptive. So lifestyle imaging gives you a dynamic view of cell metabolism. So that's the most important thing. Second is that it gives you the top view, as I said earlier, that, you know, instead of like looking at the parts and trying to to assemble it together, now you look at how if, if thing works, this is how it looks like, and then you start to figure out later like, okay, how all these parts that we have, all this knowledge that we have, how it assemble together. So, so you, you, you get a better understanding of how the theory should be. It, it doesn't give you the theory per se, but it gives you the rough idea of like what the theory should be, how all these parts should compile should, should combine together.
1: Yeah, and not Thank
2: that you. many people, not that <laughs> many people look at it, so <laughs> <Just> <laughs> because it's sure very difficult to understand. It. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you in, do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy kind of almost taking an, a non traditional route to investigating something?
2: It's fun and game and everything because like you see all this right, but it's very difficult to convey the message out uh, because it's so mind warded. Like I inhibit oxphos. Why are they not dead? And what is this? <laughs> like? What, that's one. And like, what are these howls come from?
0: Mm-hmm. And to this
2: day, I still cannot tell you exactly. Uh, I don't know what's going on. And they're, do, it, they're, they're doing
1: it just on purpose, just to keep you interested. <laughs> yeah,
2: it just like, it just, like you, you're staring into uh, a void of like, it's not a void per se, but it's like mm-hmm. there is no theory to predict this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And yes, you can fit some kind of like kinetic model, but it's very difficult to test because how? Because in order to test some theory, you need to have a control, like a very well control of the enzyme or of the target of your interest, right? How would you control something like hexokinase,
1: mm-hmm.
2: an enzyme inside the cell? And it's not, it's not control the abundance. You actually now have to control the activity of it in a in a in a time sensitive manner. If I want to turn it off now, I have to be able to do it now. There is no such tool mm-hmm. existing, so it's very difficult to test any hypothesis at this point. And we need that tool, but nobody is working on it <laughs> because this is so new. It's like it, the paper just came out like a year ago. Basically.
1: Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, it makes it even more kind of exciting that it isn't you know, no one has it, but that doesn't mean no one won't. It's a very kind of fast, fast moving. um, I just need to convince
2: people to like, hey, this is something important. (laughs) It's
1: like, listen. (laughs) Um, So we're going to jump ahead to the one of your other areas of um, research. So single cell time lapse imaging takes serial images at regular time points to capture the dynamics of what is being observed. Could you tell us a little bit more about how this technique works as well as, the benefits, like why why would we use it?
2: Okay, so um, let's go for the benefit first. You know, looking from the people. so it goes back to sales dynamics again, and you want to observe almost everything that happened in the cell from the dynamics perspective, right? Let's say, for example, you have MAPK pathway, for example, and if you take a snapshot, let's say that you want to observe that MAPK activity in normal cell biology assay, you would do Western block, right? You you add the perturbation, you wait for certain times, like 30 minutes or two hours, and then you observe the downstream target of that pathway. Let's say uh, earth phosphorylation, for example. But what if your timing is wrong, right? If, if, if something happens already at five minutes, but you capture it at 30 minutes and you see nothing, that doesn't mean that there's nothing. It's just that you missed that five minutes. So this is where live cell is very... Uh, very useful because you observe it in real time. So, so you're not going to miss anything. You, your, your sampling rate is really high. Second is that you're not killing your cells. You can keep asking, if this happened at time five, would it affect something at time two hours or 10 minutes or 15 minutes? So, so that's where it comes in. Uh, two uh, is that um, you two, the, this type of assay is minimally perturbed to cells. Right? You're not killing the cell, right? Because when you run Western blot, what what is the first thing you have to do? You have to zap it, basically. You have to kill it, and then collect the protein. This this has nothing to. do. Who knows when you, when you kill the cell, what is turned on and off, right? That's such a a, a, a high intensity injury to the cell. I don't I don't really know what's going on, but this type you don't have that problem because it's so minimally perturbed. Or you need, whatever you read is actually what you are perturbing. It's the compound that you add that's perturbing the system, not some kind of like byproduct of that the data collection, basically. But it, the, the downside is that it's high cost and it's highly technical, uh, because you need all that set up, and you also need someone to basically analyze all those images, because you, you can imagine that when you express all this sensor into the cell, right? You're going to have a thousand cells per frame, And then you have this frame, and let's say you image it every five or ten minutes over 24 hours, that's 240 frames. And then you have to segment all these cells because basically cell move. So you have to track them. So you need someone to basically write all this algorithm to detect the image, track the cells, and then interpret the data. So basically you have you need like real biologists to design the sensor to understand the pathway. The perturbation that you want. And some computer scientists or vision, uh, computer vision uh, scientists to basically do all of them. So so it's not easy uh, endeavor. But once you do, it's actually pretty useful.
1: Mm, the um the costs kind of aren't yeah. aren't so bad when you look at the the end goal.
2: Right, right, yeah. So uh, that's why um, to endeavor into some processes like metabolism is such a big endeavor because like basically you have to set up everything. And that's why, for the near term goal, actually, like for the for the near term adaptation, sales cycle is the easiest because there are a lot of understanding sales cycle. Everybody knows that this thing go up and down. There's not much dynamics to it. Dynamics happen every like every one cycle, right? So that's where where it's kind of it's easy to adopt, basically, and it's easy mm-hmm. to interpret.
0: Yeah, and um, with single cell times up. Time lapse imaging. Um, how can that technique be utilized to understand the cellular dynamics of cancer?
2: Yeah. So yeah, easy. Well, one, cancer is not the same, right? Even when, if you cut the cell from, like, you know, from the top of the tumor from the bottom, of the, they're not the same because they screw up to begin with, right? The genetics uh, uh, control is actually broken now. That's why we have all this cancer. So they are heterogeneity uh, uh, to begin with. And this heterogeneity actually show up. It doesn't only show up from the sequencing perspective, right? All this mutation, blah, 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 actually show up in the dynamics as well. Uh, uh, And when you start to have all this uh, heterogeneity uh, built in, now you start to have the cancer therapy uh, failure now because they basically do clonal selection, right? So with time-lapse microscopy, it gives you exactly that heterogeneity. Because now you start to understand, like you know, start. Hey, if I use CDK4 inhibitor, for example, twenty percent of the cell actually escape, and you can see it in real time, and you can correlate some of the escape. Because first, you can see which cell is dead and not dead, right? And you also can track the enzyme of your interest in this case, like you know, CDK2, CDK4 activity, and you can correlate that with the actual phenotype of survival, and then you can start to build a predictive model based on that. And most important, there is no need for second guess for cell cycle, because don't forget that most cell cycle study, you rely on checkpoint marker, right? Like Rb, like EDU, like uh, histone H3. Uh, in this case, you don't need any of that, because you see it divide. You see it's dividing. This is d 2 m You mm-hmm. see it's increasing activity because we have a sensor for that. So you know that's S. So yeah, it, 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 it's rest reliant on the micro.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A, a classic micro because you can see it by itself.
1: Why do you think there's been so little investment in, in kind of like this area of research, despite the fact that it, it could really have a significant impact on, on the drug discovery and other sectors? I
2: think the most important is that is the lack of framework. It's, it's really difficult to convert the static understanding of cell biology, right? We, we think of like, oh, if this gene is on, then you turn to cancer, but we don't really think of like, well, when it's on, how does this engine run? It, 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 it's like, it, it's easy to say that if I put the throttle 20%, the car goes 30 miles. And then uh, the, I put the throttle 100 percent. The car 80 miles an hour. But for lifestyle streaming, it's almost thing of like. Then what happened in the engine when I step on the, that throttle? It, it's almost like that. So it's, it's 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 really difficult to kind of like wrap your head around that. So so that, I think that's the most important. That's why this view is still like not going that much. Uh, second is that it's because. Because of the cost, the upfront cost is so expensive and you need someone who to, to have the knowledge both in cell biology and computer vision to, to operate on this. So that's why like, you narrow down the amount of people who are going to work for you, right? But that's benefit. The first benefit is that you see the cell doing things that it kind of like make you... Kind of, when you see cell, all the cell cycle biology, everything starts to make sense. You start to see like the whole picture. It's like, oh, wow, actually the theory is right. Now it's actually operating for you in real time. You can see it, right? So, so it gives you a really high confidence. Once you establish that asset, it gives you really high confidence that what you're doing is not it's not just guessing anymore. It's happening? Then you can see it. Uh, the second is that it's actually cheap in the long run because there's no need for reagent anymore. Once you establish that cell line expressing that sensor, the only cost that you're going to have it's actually computation cost, which is like, you know, you have to do all this segmentation, right? So that's one computer. And plates, that's it. You don't need to stain anything anymore. You're done. So it's cheap in the long run.
1: I don't know about you, Daniel, but I can certainly remember staining cells at university yeah. and it not being a fun process.
0: No, any <laughs> process that allows us to avoid that would be amazing.
1: Brilliant. Um, so kind of building on what you just kind of said there, What advice would you give to someone who is either interested in this area of research or would like to utilize lifestyle imaging for the first time?
2: Yeah, I I think the most important thing is that you have, like, it's not, like, I I talk as if it's difficult, but actually it's not difficult because the field has existed since, like, at least 1995 that we know that all this dynamic is real. So these days, all the segmentation, you know, you don't need to be scared of the data. Right, you'll have all this video. It's not that difficult to track anymore. There's actually a the whole challenge for like celltracking.org, something like that. That basically a lot of people from, from science, like you know, pouring resource in to basically improve the tracking and the object identification. So that that is like partially solved already. So it's not that scary. So the the real bottleneck of this whole field is actually the biosensor design. Because it it, it, it like you are as good as your sensor. <laughs>
1: just get that on your t shirt. Yeah, yeah you, you
2: are as good as your sensor. And you have to be very careful because like what you're seeing from the sensor, right, you know, all this is not it's just a projection of cell function onto your sensor. Like we don't really know what cells doing, but you can project some of that onto the sensor. And there will be some limit on the sensors, right? You know, if the kinase is acting at a thousand, you know, activity unit, can your sensor read that? Is it sensitive in that range or not? So so that's something that kind of like you have to design the sensor to in the range that you want to read. Basically, it's almost like a chicken and egg. It's like, what well, you want to read, then you design the sensor, and then you read the sensor, it's like, is that <laughs> is that the result, or is that just me designing the sensor? So that's the most difficult part. And then even more difficult is actually the theoretical framework. Like how, like once you have all this data, like what what are you going to do with it? Right, The time series is not is not a exact science. It's almost like an art. Like you can think of time series like, oh, they're not housed at the same time. Okay, does that mean they are different? You know, I, I, it doesn't mean that. The internal structure of the cell different, or just that you just enter that cycle at a different point and that's why you see it different, right? It, it just look think of cell cycle, right? This is easy. If you start to looking at S phase sensor, if S sensor is high here versus something low here, is it is the underlying mechanism of the cell different? Or they're just looking at the different time. And the only way you know is that oh, or now you start to see, oh actually it's swap place now over time. Right, but imagine that you don't have understand of cell cycle. It just you're just looking at the kinase activity when it's turned on and off. That start to gets really difficult because now you're not sure. There are some uh, theory from back in the eighties, like Hakens embedding or like chaos theory, to basically help you with that. But still, it's not for complex system. It's not for like having four, five signals reading at the same time because we can do up to four sensor. And in single cell now, how are you going to combine all those together? That's that's an open end question.
1: (laughs) That's for one of our listeners to uh, come along and figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
2: we we need we, we we need mathematicians and physicists and biologists to work together because this this is this is getting closer to 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 that type of question like uh, how, how can we come it's almost like coming up with theory of everything but for biology and not for physics
0: <laughs> yeah i love that that's a really good theory of everything i definitely agree i think there needs to be more cross science um collaboration between uh, biology chemistry physics etc um so there's so many questions in this field but i'm just going to leave you with a couple more um and it is what is the future of of drug discovery and what role do you think live cell imaging will play in this future?
2: Yeah, in the nearest term, um, in my opinion, cell cycle is probably the best uh, place to start because the concept is there. Um, Cell cycle inhibitors for cancer is actually an active field for pharmaceutical industry uh, because the theory is so well established. Um, there are good chemical compounds out there. Cobaloxylip is the one that I can think of. So uh, yeah, I think that's the lowest hanging fruit for us. And during the meantime, um, there are so many uh, kinase biosensor out there at this point. There are about a hundred. Uh, so so the second lowest hanging fruit is that instead of running Western blot, immunofluorescence. We can start to adopt this to lower cost for drug discovery, right? You don't need to run twenty-four hours assay. Sometimes you can run six, and you get what you want. And instead of spending three, four hundred dollars per tube of antibody, this this is zero. And you can screen as many places as you want. A places, is what ten bucks, <laughs> not four hundred. So that's the two lowest hanging fruit that I can see. And it's not difficult to get a setup because if you have an imager that's $500,000, you add in a whole, you know, a little incubator on top of it, it's not going to cost that much anyway.
1: Are there any other applications? So obviously we talked a lot about um, cancer. Are there any kind of other diseases or applications that we haven't mentioned that you also would like to highlight?
2: The field of lifestyle imaging actually, like, Start to expand to uh, uh, yeast and and uh, microbiology now, but but it's not for drug discovery. It's more like a, for uh, for um, uh, for a cell signaling perspective of like you know looking at heterogeneity in the in the cell population, for example, or figure out like you know. Um, how these uh, uh, signaling pathway actually operate in your time. So it's not really active for drug discovery at this point, but I do know that, uh, that, that it exists from the theoretical standpoint.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But there is nothing uh, to me, uh, in my opinion, there's nothing to stop you from using in drug discovery. It's just that antibiotics exist, day, nobody really work on antibiotics. As far as I understand, it's kind of like, it's a field that everybody kind of like stopped working on. <laughs> there's no new class of antibiotics for the past 20 years and it's still very difficult. Like,
1: it's mm-hmm. not perhaps not as exciting as um, it's not, other areas. <laughs> I think it, we,
2: as a human being, run out of idea of how to deal with bacteria. Basically, like mm-hmm. what new class oh, of antibiotics yeah. that we can come up with? But for cancer, yeah. it's easier because they, you know, we, they, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: the way we talk about cell signaling, right? <laughs> There, there are like a the, the ratio of like cell signaling in cell in, in human cells versus bacteria is like what 101 in terms of number of paper. That, that that's how I feel. So that I think like that, that's probably the reason why uh this feels like you know cancer biology is so active right now because we have so much more information about yeah. human cell signaling rather than bacteria cell signaling.
0: I think people love a new frontier as well, don't they? Um... You know, a newer, like a more exciting area of research, things that they can really sort of like claim for their own, almost make discoveries in.
2: Right, you know, if somebody can kill cancer, you go, you're going <laughs> to wow. yeah. be more famous than." Oh, I killed that bacteria.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> no, no, definitely. So just to finish off, is there anything that you'd like to kind of like say to our listeners or is there anything else you'd like to kind of add with the topics we've said today?
2: Yeah, so um, I I like to, you know, for all listeners to start to thinking of biology as, you know, it's not about genes and -hmm. and proteins, it's actually the dynamics of all how these proteins combine together is extremely important and give you another aspect of, you know, how to describe biology, actually, right? Think of cell signaling dynamics, like, you know, the easiest thing would be think of it like a fingerprint, just like just like sequencing, right? We, we don't really care what that gene's actually encode, as long as it's different from something that we know is actually a fingerprint. Cell signaling dynamics is exactly that. You can think of it like that. I mean, it's not the best way to think about it. But you can think about it like that, and then we can work on from there. And you know, it's <laughs> once you start to see the video, you understand. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Once they're in, there's no going back.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's like yeah, you 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 either love it or hate it. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, I I found it to the, to the group of like I love it because they, it it gives you that confidence that what you know from theory actually operates in real Mm
1: self no definitely it's a i think we've mentioned it before on the podcast but once you see something i think there's definitely such a stronger element of like seeing something and seeing something work in person than like seeing say the process or the instructions written down on paper you know that you have to see it to believe it is a phrase for a reason
2: yeah there's no second guess it's either there or not there (laughs) so either right or wrong there's no second guess
1: No, brilliant. So that's all we have today for um, this episode of Something About Science. And cell signaling is cool, guys. That is (laughs) one of the key messages to take away. And big thank you to Nant for coming and speaking with both myself and Danielle today.
2: Uh, Thank you so much for your time. (laughs) And thank you for the opportunity.
1: Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for listening to Something About Science. And don't forget to check out the content discussed as all links are in the description. And we'll see you next time.